Science and Wisdom Live is a project of Jamyang London Buddhist Center, a non-profit organization. Please consider supporting us with a donation to help us keep our podcasts and videos free and ad-free. To support us now, please visit our website at scienceandwisdomlive.com. episode is an excerpt of one of our Science and Wisdom Dialogues. To listen to the full recording, please follow the link in the podcast description. So I wondered if you could elaborate a little bit on, on how you got into meditation through your love of nature and your feeling that nature could actually make the world a better place. I was very fortunate. My mother bore me on a spring morning uh, with cherry blossom outside the window in a lovely country setting. Um, Nowhere near hospitals or any of that. Um, So I grew up with it. I grew up with grass and sunshine and well, the cherry blossom passed, but then came the cherries, and uh, and uh, and uh, just the familiar trees and bushes and grass that surrounded me. This was my this was my life. I knew nothing else. So I was very very much alone, and uh, never felt I was alone. Didn't know what loneliness was as a child, because I had surrounded by all my little friends of nature, my rabbit and my lizard, and our dog, of course. I was used to being quiet. I never was much of a talker. So that's how nature got in first, long before I'd ever heard of a spirit or had any interest in spirit. (laughs) I'm just soaked in nature. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your, what happened when you went to Peru and (laughs) <laughs> your 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 dream of saving the world through saving saving the planet through nature. Well, I was one of those lucky children that that always knew what I wanted to do. In fact, I used to say to my mother, so she says that I came into this world to be a farmer. I don't know how I knew that, but that's what I said apparently as I was a little boy. And I've always been a, a farmer. I loved farming. And um, of course, this was long before the days of chemicals and machinery before that, when the industrial farms, as we know it today, when farming was farming. <laughs> it was more way of life than the business then. I think really I was more interested in, 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 in soil erosion then. And they were, um, they were offering um, grants of a, of a thousand hectares of Bolivian jungle to anybody who'd go and develop it. And I thought I'd go off and do this. I'd take my axe with me and, and fell the jungle. Of course, it wasn't a bad thing to do. It seemed a good thing to do and grow food for hungry people, you see. <laughs> but that didn't quite work out. But I ended up in Peru and um, and got into... I was going to reforest the Andes, which were badly eroded, and I knew a bit about soil erosion. And there was one notable occasion sitting on a on a mountain top, uh, sort of pondering my 
success, failure. <laughs> and the little boy seemed to say to me, to make whole, be whole. To make whole, be whole. Which, of course, I didn't understand at the time. But I had uh, not long previously read a book about meditation, not as I knew what it was. But anyway, when my time in Peru ended and I came home, I looked for and found a school of meditation. But uh, that's how I started. And the very first practice I, uh, I, I did was in St. Pancras Station waiting room because I had to get the late night train back again because I had already started farming to feed my animals. And I sat in that, uh, that dingy, unconducive place, you'd think, late at night and did my first practice. And it all opened up like that. And I suddenly realized I didn't have to go all the way to South America to find mountains and the wide open spaces. It was all within me. And, <laughs> and, and very, very soon after that, um, because of course this space is invisible, it's, it, it doesn't, it's silent, I realized that this actually is what the Bible calls spirit and what I'd been taught at school. You know, they taught about spirit, but I didn't know what it was. Nobody could explain to me what it was. And suddenly I realized meditation made spirit practical, a practical experience. What does it give you? What does it mean? Because it's a very, very long time and you have been so diligent, uh, you know, and so and so um, disciplined. So you, there has to be something in it for you. This is, I'm talking now for the people who are listening and watching this because they... You know, most of us fall by the wayside very, very early, but something must have been so strong for you that it's kept you at it. Well, that's easy. It's, it's uh, love. Can you, can you explain a little bit? <laughs> Who knows what love is? <laughs> like all real things in life, it cannot be explained. I'm used to the open fields, both as a child and as a farmer. So I've loved the open fields, and uh, which, of course, are quiet, aren't they? Yes. I'm alone in the open fields. There are no people there. It's just the open fields, the sky, the infinite sky above and Mother Earth beneath. And so that's what I love naturally. <laughs> that uh, that's home. That's where I belong. And uh, and uh, and in contrast, not that I've that much experience of the big city and, and crowds of people, but enough to know that I prefer the wide open spaces. And uh, certainly, I've become much, well. I'm more tolerant now as an old man, but but certainly as a young man, I I. I uh, I, I love that without question. And the marvelous thing about meditation is that even meditating in the middle of a, in the middle of London, uh, I could access this silent space. Right. Okay. And, and, and so, the great comfort of my life, which is, which is, uh, well. See, as I learned more about uh, spirit, I began to realize that there's this marvelous sequence, which is silence, which is stillness, because silence is still, what is it? And then space, well, where does one end and the other begin? Aren't they all really the same thing? Silence, stillness, space. Peace. 
there is peace. It, it gets a bit difficult to talk about God straight away because people get put off by it. But if you just talk about silence, it's so simple. There's no argument about silence, no contention there. But, but this is just the forerunner, as it were, of a deepening awareness of silence, deeper and deeper into silence. It's like going into the sky. How far do you go into the sky? There's no end to it, is there? Look up at the stars and there's no end. So it is with spirit, it's just exactly the same. And you find this within yourself and just, it has no end. It is the great adventure without end. Yeah. And I've always been an adventurer, dear. I've had some terrific adventures in this life, but this is the great adventure that never fails. It just gets better and better. <laughs> and, uh, and you see, <laughs> of course, again, I'm talking as an old man now, but all our failures and just sort of the restrictions and the things that don't work out in this life, you really find are all perfectly fulfilled in spirit. But that's rather a long story. It's taken me a long time to realize that, but that's the effect of it. So how can I not love meditation, which is, which is really, it's really, you know, in the confusion of life, honestly, one of the best things you can possibly do is just look out of the window. Because the moment you look out of the window, there's the sky, isn't there? And the sky is completely untroubled by what's going on in the world. The sky is just... It's just there, this, this eternal reassurance just beaming down on us. And, and, and don't worry about thoughts either in meditation. You know, people get spend lifetimes trying to figure out their thoughts. It's, it's whatever for. You know, they don't really belong in this world of self-realization. <laughs> maybe, maybe I've come in by the back door. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's for others to judge. <laughs> I was very moved watching one of your broadcasts, John, when you just naturally called yourself Mr. Nobody. Yes, well, that makes sense to me. The less of me, the more of God. Well, I began to learn that as a young farmer, that um, <clears throat> when I began to realise that the, best I, the less I interfered, the better things went. And in human experience, one doesn't often find, in my experience, uh, the totality of love, and that's what I've always longed for. And I suppose if you want to just sort of bring that back to meditation, this has really been what my motive in meditation, this self-abandonment. Yes, I think that describes it very well. You're, you've um, got, you have a new book coming out called um, Of Mystic Union. Yes, 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 I have actually. I've got it down, yeah. <laughs> I, this is the the last of my ten books, and, and you could say, in fact, it's the final chapter. When I think with the the duality of of I love you, which somehow never fully works out, is finally dissolved in realizing that when men and women come together in of course, in this world of physical, you know, appearance, we're all separate. And in meditation, as you gradually develop insight, you, be, you learn to see not with these physical eyes, which are really the eyes of death, the eyes of mortality. You don't see anything really with this. These eyes are spiritual blindness. And these ears are spiritual deafness. You, 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 when you, as you access this, this is the upper air in meditation, then, then, then you begin to 
to the, the invisible, the silent world then begins to come into reality. It seems nothing from down here, but the more you immerse yourself in it, the more real it becomes, you know. And, and, and you see, meditation in spirit, you realize that in spirit you can, you can live in spirit without hurting anything, without hurting anyone. And the love of spirit is completely without demands. It's just totally all-embracing, embracing the whole world without limits. The kingdom of God is not of this world. That's a big pill to swallow because people think it is. You know, on one hand, you're trying to, to save this world. And on the other hand, you're trying to save your soul. Well, the, the, the spirit is not this physical world. But people get very confused about it, trying to sort of ride two horses at the same time. Um, I did, I did. Um, And it's only really at the very, very end of the journey that we might uh, experience it coming together in, 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 in one ultimate union. Most of life is not like that at all. There's this pull of the world and the pull of what's called the pull of the way, the pull of uh, the call to the infinite. This world is not infinite. It's very, very finite, isn't it? It has limits. How do you reconcile the limited with the unlimited? <laughs> Black and white, isn't it? Uh, I guess there are many, many ways of dealing with these, all the dark forces of darkness and light. It's the age-old age old spiritual struggle, isn't it? With the, all this goes on within ourselves. What is the darkness? That's the ego, of course. The works of darkness, the devil in us. And that, uh, and that uh, is at war with, um, with this yearning for spirit, for God. And this is in every person. And uh, so don't be surprised at what happens. We, what we encounter in, along the way, yes, there are explanations for it all. Like, like again, I could talk forever on this, but um, I've had a lot of experience. But this life isn't a joy ride, my dears. Those of you that start meditation will probably have more difficulties than most others, because you you'll then take on more of the of the uh, of the troubles of this world. Like Jesus bore the whole. Why? Why is it said he he bore our sins? Well, once you begin to understand what that means, you'll understand why. Those that take the long, hard road of meditation will end up carrying an ever greater burden. We've all got to be crucified in our own mini way. It's, it's serious, isn't it? It's big stuff. We don't realize when we start what... what, what uh, what it's really all about. But, um, I think that's why I've always felt the reassurance of looking up at the sky. You know, I get up very early in the morning, I go up to the church, and of course for most of the year it's dark at that time, and uh, I love to pause just outside the church, look up at the sky, 
of my little brothers, the stars. Not so little, are they? Big brothers, the stars. Feel the greatness of it all. What is man, little man, honestly? What is man? What do we add up to? <laughs>